Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. People like me, Michelle Kane with Voice Matters, and my ever steady co-host, Karen Swim with Solo PR Pro. Hi, Karen. How are you doing today? Hey, Michelle. I am very chilly, which is why I am wearing my comfy little coat during this broadcast because we're in the 30s here in Michigan, but other than that, good. How are you doing today? I am doing well. We, we're we not quite that chilly here in the Philly burbs, but there's that beautiful fall crispness in the air that, you know, even though I'm not thrilled about the temperature plunges to come, I will take it. It adds a little snap to your step. <laughs> we're just going to call this fall crisp with a little bit of rain. That's what we're going to call it. We're going to call it fall crisp because it's it's still technically fall. And I am determined to enjoy fall until the very last day. I refuse to accept that it's over because it's not technically. No, no. In fact, I saw a hysterical Instagram reel from Michelle Stafford. She's a soap actress. She ex Nina General Hospital, everyone. But she, (laughs) the whole point of the reel was that her young son was very disturbed that we were skipping Thanksgiving. We were hopping right from Halloween to Christmas. And you hear him in the backseat of her car going, where's Thanksgiving? And so they, they go to Home Goods and he's, they're shopping around and they found fall on a clearance table. And, and the little boy says, the boss here mustn't do Thanksgiving. <laughs> that is adorable and so sad. Help the children. Do not exactly. just push all to the side. Exactly. Do not put Thanksgiving away. I mean, listen, how do you feel about the pilgrims? Let's not rush it to Christmas. No, let's let our let's let our Thanksgiving meal digest properly. We don't want to get acid reflux as we hurl into the holidays. But uh, she did end up buying some holiday items, and and she said, "I'm not proud." And, and he goes on the camera, goes, "I'm not proud either." So check out Michelle Stafford's Instagram; it's very funny. But it's so cool. <laughs> and not that we want to rush things. But speaking of social media and how fun it can yeah. be, in and how it can still be effective. Today, we're going to go on a little bit about social media planning for 2024. It's been a while since we stopped to yeah. sort of take stock and see, you know, what's going on out there? Where where are our clients' audiences spending their time? What is still worth our time to use it as organizations and corporations? So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. No, honestly, Michelle, it's amazing. Yeah to me that in this past 10 months, how dramatically the social media landscape has changed. And I, I, maybe it's just me, but I feel like the changes have been as rapid as when social media really started to take off many, many years ago. I've not seen this dramatic of a shift in such a short period of time, all driven, of course, by the social media site formerly known as Twitter, it really just led to a deluge of changes. And it's definitely well worth it to take a hard look at strategies and understand, you know, audit for your audiences again and make decisions about how you advise your clients or how you as a brand advise your company on what to do in the coming year. 
Yeah, that's so true, especially with regard to that channel. I know many have, you know, full on abandoned it for very good reasons because just of who has, you know, just the hate speech and the things that have been allowed to take place. I mean, I still do find it a fair resource for, you know, journalists that are still hanging in there and trying to, you know, it's for better or for worse, still a place where you might find up-to-date information. You know, with yesterday being election day, it was still, it certainly wasn't like the good old days, but I thought, oh, okay, I can still get up to the the moment information. But for the rest of it, if I were advising a client, a fresh new client today about using it, I would not because it's like, it's almost like when you take your clients to lunch, do you want to take them to a nice place or a place with questionable actors? <laughs> yeah, it's really, you know, I thought in, you know, in all of the movement and all of the things that have happened on X this year, I was certain at some points that it would be gone by now. I really yeah. thought it would be gone or that it would have lost every shred of usefulness. Now, for some people, it really has. Yeah. The interesting thing to me is that there were some media companies that made a wholesale decision that we refuse to be on this platform and support the ethics and the morals that are are coming from the top, from the leadership and, and the tone in the environment and how it is has just become a bastion of, you know, not only hate speech, but mis and disinformation. Yes. But I have found as you said, that there are still many journalists who continue to use the platform. So for communicators, it is probably worthwhile, depending on the reporters that you interact with, to at least keep your eye on your reporters there. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you have to spend time on the platform. Definitely, you know, doesn't mean that you have to buy a blue check mark. None of those things. But as long as you have free access to the platform, there are journalists that very much engage there, which is helpful for our work. Yeah. For my own clients across the board, many of them use it, but it's more of a broadcast channel. They just broadcast stuff out. Yeah. Some of them have, you know, many people have penned posts that have a post and then it talks about the other places that you can find them, but they just use it as a broadcast channel, not as an interactive channel. I think the other thing though, and Michelle you know, I'd love to hear your take on this is that it feels like the tone of all of the channels has changed. So at one point where you had multiple channels for quote unquote business, I feel like there's some channels have become much more personalized. Like for me, Threads is not really a business channel. Yeah. I see where it could be, but it really feels more of a take off your blazer, sit down, you know, and really connect with people around personal interest and your personal branding. Whereas LinkedIn has risen from the ashes in some ways to become the de facto business channel that all of my clients care about. That's where they're spending their money. Are you seeing the same thing? Yes. And I, and I wonder if that's because Thread's feels more like a more is a derivative of Instagram or it's more aligned with Instagram. Now I have clients who use Instagram, of course, you know, being the retail facing, the public facing. Yeah. Even so there's a different vibe and a tone on Instagram. It's, it's always been more casual. It feels unnatural if you're scrolling through your feed of Instagram and something very formal comes in. Eh, no, 
so that makes sense. And it is nice to see LinkedIn swaying away from what felt like a, a I don't know, like a stilted Facebook light or something. I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't come here for this. <laughs> I come here for business information to get to know colleagues better, of course, but to, to stay in that, that professional lane, I think yeah. is, is a good thing that that is happening there. And algorithmic changes are also impacting the work that we do. Yeah. So it has become more challenging because even if your audience is there, you're not guaranteed to reach them organically. So I think as we really evaluate how to advise clients in the coming year, we really want to make sure that we have a seat at the table to talk about those paid models as well. Like what's the budget for paid in the coming year and make some recommendations about slices of the pie and how that should be allocated to some PR efforts as well. Don't leave yourself out of that paid discussion because there are things that as PR professionals, and I just had this discussion with a client yesterday, where we want to use every slice, every piece of the pie, including paid. So we're making recommendations on that budget as well. So don't forget to do that because, you know, as you said, Instagram still remains as of today, a channel where brands can engage, especially with, you know, consumer facing brands can engage their audiences and get their attention. But you obviously can't be all buttoned up. It has to be visually appealing. You have to share information. So far, it seems like people are still using influencers, although there's sort of a shift away from yeah. that word and the influencers. And then the Instagram algorithm has changed. So it's made oh, yeah. it harder to view people and they keep changing. So, I mean, these, these all factor into our decisions of, you know, where do we tell our clients to spend their time and resources? If you're B2B, it's LinkedIn and you can pretty much close your eyes to everything else if you choose to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and even from the beginning of, of using social media for business, it's, you know, I've always advised clients to be discerning. You don't have to be everywhere. Just make sure that where you are, you're doing it as best you can with what you have. And that's different things to different people. And there are some clients where I can just say, you know, again, thinking more of the consumer facing, look, if, if your budget is X and you just have one special you want to put out on Facebook, then fine. We put a fair chunk of money that, that makes sense behind that and make sure the people that need to, that you want to see it, see it. Even though, you know, yeah. certainly Facebook ad buying has changed so much and it's definitely not as targeted as it used to be, you can still get there. But I think the bottom line, too, is if you want to be seen, you have to pay. You can't. It's so true. And so then it drives into having those hard conversations with your clients about their ethical considerations as well. Because yeah. let's face it, a lot of people left Facebook in droves because yeah. of their concerns around privacy, their concerns about, you know, the company's ethics, the mismount and disinformation. Understandable. I, I am not going to slam anybody for making those decisions. Many people left X for the same exact reason. Right. And Facebook, Instagram, and threads are, are also meta. It's the same company. Yeah. So again, we're, we're left with view choices. I know that there are, many other emerging apps like Blue Sky and Spill. Yeah. But, you know, again, what's happened is that this is so divided our publics. 
they're not in mass in one place anymore as it was in the past. And then you also, as a company, have to make these decisions about what really is right for your business. Like where are the right places to show up and who do you really want to spend money with? For me, this brings home the point that we communicators, marketers have always said from day one, do not put all of your eggs into a basket that is owned by somebody else. This is why your websites, your email marketing strategies still need to be strong and you need to be driving place people to your home rather than always hosting at somebody else's house, basically. I, I say that all the time. And I think even more so these days, social media is certainly a capable tool for some things, but it's not as much in the forefront as it used to be. I I encourage all of us to, you know, think about our clients and the way that we're helping them get known and get seen and get their stories told is to just rethink all of that. Because the, what, what is the main thing we're trying to do? We're trying to get their stories told. And that could be a literal story or it could be, you know, your oil change special of the month. Yeah. Where can that be seen? And that's not always primarily social media. I think, I mean, I know my clients do, a lot of companies do use their email marketing in a robust way. But I think there are also a fair amount of companies out there who are not using it in the way they used to. And, you know, I, I could I could venture to guess why. Is it because so many of us, when we receive the emails, we're like, ah, delete, 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 delete. But that's okay. I mean, I, again, I, I say this all the time to my clients. Your perfect ideal customer has to be ready for you to engage. So you may hit them with a message 20 times and the 21st time is the time that particular person is ready. The beautiful thing is there are so many people out there that you're talking to. So it's, you know, it's funny that you said that because for me, I'm one of those people who, you know, email is, it's just a constant annoyance as it is for everyone in in the communication industry, right? And for many of us, our work is integrally tied to email as a communication channel. But I was having a conversation with somebody that I know the other day who was checking their email and he was like, oh, I have eight emails. And I'm just like, in the past, like, that's your 10 minute volume, right? It's like eight. And he was actually excited about getting an email from a brand that he bought from like- and really liked the product and was excited to get the email about the sale. So again, I think you're right, Michelle, that we have to remember to, that what we're sick of and what seems so commonplace to us, because it's our job. Yeah. From inside view, we have to really put ourselves in the shoes of our public and understand like maybe they're not overwhelmed with emails because that's not part of their day-to-day job and they're not getting 1,600, you know, 22,000 emails in their inbox. Maybe they have five and maybe they're really happy to receive information from brands that they support, that they learn from. And so don't shy away from a tool just because 
in your mind, you're over it. You're sick of it because not everybody is in that same space. Yeah. We have to check ourselves and our jaded notions. And, and also too, I mean, Hey, if, if, you know, check, read industry, industry blogs and, you know, make sure because every once in a while, you know, say maybe a couple times a year, I, I check and say, okay, is email still a very good tried and true way? And, and sure enough, yeah, it, it is. So, you know, I think I, it's so important for brands to going into 2024 to be realistic, not only in where you are on a social media platform, but what your goal is there. Because yeah. for so many years in the early days, we talked about community, community, engagement, engagement, engagement. It's all about building a community. Can we be really honest? You're not going to build community around your toilet paper. You're just not. It's not a topic that is really going to draw people that are so passionate about your brand of toilet paper that it's going to form a community. Right. But is it to continue to keep your brand name in front of people as they're making buying decisions? Is there other, are there other things that you can expand into as a brand? Are there things that you support? So, you know, if you're a toilet paper brand and can you remind people about prostate screenings? Can you... You know, are there things that are adjacent that you can share information about? I mean, so I think it's very important to relook at your strategy. And sometimes, you know, PR professionals are not managing the day-to-day social media, but we can at least inform, educate, and collaborate on the content that's going forward to help those teams to think about why are you really here and what, what, what are the goals and what are the expectations? Because the strategies really have changed. In my mind, they have. It's not because the tools have changed. And so I think it is important to take a fresh look at it, as I'm sure that we're doing every year, but I feel like this year is more important than ever. And, And keeping in mind that we are entering election year. So that means... Yes. That means a lot of noise. It means a lot of mis... And mal and disinformation, let's just face it. On top of, you know, the studies, there was a Pew study that just showed that people are turning away from the news in droves in that demographic, particularly of 30 to 49 years old. So if your public's factor into that, that's another thing that you need to weigh as a professional. Not that, oh my God, no one's paying attention, so we shouldn't do earned media, but what's the most effective way to leverage earned media to reach an audience that's become quite jaded about anything that comes out of a news organization. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you bring up, you know, the toilet paper idea of prostate cancer screenings. I mean, that, that really answers just the core, what's, what's going to grab someone at their core or before they can outthink it, you know, of, Oh, Oh, right. My health, how to make my day better, how to make my life better. How can I save money? Those kinds of narratives that really help someone in their day-to-day, I think, is a great a great place to focus on as we move into 2024. How can you be, not a partner, but just a key connection in someone's life, which is not quite the same as, like you said, at the outside of social. It's like, let's build a community. Da, da, da. And we, we thought that might happen, and then we realized, well, 
that? <laughs> yeah, nobody's rallying it. But, you know, I got an email today from Hiscock Insurance, shout out to Hiscox, which many of our solos utilize. And there was an article in their newsletter about reducing business expenses. And I clicked right through and I read that entire article. And again, you know, this is somebody that provides insurance, but this was, you know, they're in the business of supporting business owners and everything in the newsletter was really helpful. But this was a topic that immediately caught my eye because we're all looking for ways to stretch our dollars as business people with everything going up so high. This was so timely and it, and it's smart. You know, I don't get a ton of emails from them, but it was one that you know, as I'm going through my 1700 emails, I actually did click through, I read this article, I remembered it. And now I'm talking about them on the podcast here. So, you know, don't diminish the value of showing up, you know, where people live on your, you know, it's your list. No one can take that away from you using the things that you really do own and have a little bit more control of, and then maybe using social media as a way to amplify or to, you know, further drive people to your own properties. Exactly. I mean, I think that's that that continues to be the name of the game and I and I think sometimes we can we can move away from that, we can drift. But yeah. I I think honing back on that and really telling what's, you know, what's your story? What do you what do you need people to know? And and being helpful is still the way to go. So well, we hope that we've been of help to you today with this bit of content that we are amplifying through our channels. <laughs> so, and we hope that if it is helpful that you amplify it through your channels, please do share this around. We would really, really appreciate that. And uh, if you have any suggestions or feedback, hit us up at soloprpro.com. And until next time, thank you for joining us on That Solo Life. <laughs>